Two minutes may seem like a very long time in today's helter-skelter world, yet two minutes of silence observed after nothing less than a Christian funeral for Queen Elizabeth II in London today. A time to be still and know that I am God. After lying in state in the Houses of Parliament with her coffin on a raised platform, her casket was carried across the square to Westminster Abbey, as has been the case for every British monarch since Queen Victoria. Scripture was read, a sermon was preached, and Christian hymns were sung, tunes and lyrics that meant so much to the woman who reigned longer than any of her predecessors, people from across the world attending the service. Her remaining beloved corgis passed on to family for safekeeping. We may never again see such a public service where Christ is honored. She spoke often of her faith. Above all else, Elizabeth served her king, King Jesus. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus on this Monday, the day the Queen of Great Britain was laid to rest. Before that, Thousands of people lined up, some waiting all night to walk by and pay respects to their late queen, her body in a closed casket draped with royal insignia. But only in England. It would have never happened in the U.S. or even Canada. Somebody placed an organ in one of the underground tube stops in London. Anyone who wanted was invited to stop and play a tribute to the queen. One woman stopped to play. A security guard in her fluorescent uniform walked up and asked if she could sing. An unlikely place to commemorate the late queen a security guard singing as another woman played an organ in a London subway. An aria by Handel, Let Me Cry. A crowd stopped to listen. They cried. The leading pastor of the Church of England before the funeral spent time walking among the lines of thousands waiting to see the Queen's body lying in state. Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, stopping frequently and praying with those who mourned. Well, on this program today, whether you're crying or not, I want to share great comfort with you, some place that's found in God's Word. All this week, we're looking at verses you should know. We haven't done that in a while. And today, we have a passage that most of us know, Psalm 23. And it happened to be one of the Queen's favorites as well. But first, I want us to go back to England. A few years back, we spoke with the Bishop of Carlisle. He met regularly with Queen Elizabeth II to discuss spiritual matters. I want you to hear a special moment he shared with me about the Queen's faith. But the Queen has always managed to express her faith. One is that she makes a point wherever she is, including on holiday, of going to church on Sundays, a particular occasion when I was preaching in the service where she was attending, she uh, was paying careful attention to everything that was said. And clearly the whole of the service 
meant a great deal to her and she was very involved. And I think the other little um, story would be when a new bishop is made of a diocese, they have to pay homage to the queen. The person who's paying the homage, the new bishop, chooses a passage in the Bible and the Bible is open at that passage. And very often the queen will say, well, which passage did you choose and why did you choose that? And what's important about it to you? And we're able to have a little conversation, a little sort of almost Bible study (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there on the spot, which I think is absolutely wonderful. And uh, it's a massive privilege from my point of view to be involved. That's the Bishop of Carlisle, James Newcomb. And as another title he wore, the Clerk of the Closet, he regularly consulted with the Queen and had many meetings with her regarding her love for Christ, who was the true king that she served. And this is exactly the way the Queen desired to lead. She served and loved her land because Jesus loved and served her first. And this is why I found the book called Our Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service So Refreshing. Throughout this book, full of pictures, spiritual quotes, wonderful stories, you'll learn how the queen lived out her faith in word and deed. I want you to have a copy of this book for your gift to the ministry. And a quick note, in North America, this book is not sold on Amazon. You can't find it in a bookstore. It's only being distributed by a Christian ministry like Haven Today. So after the program, for one copy or more copies, give some away. Call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, or go online at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And while you're there, take a look at some excerpts from the book. Now, let's open with a song that was a favorite of Queen Elizabeth's and was sung at her father's funeral.
Did you hear that final verse? Lord, by the stripes which wounded you, in us you've won the victory too, that we may live and sing to you. Alleluia. St. Michael's singers, and the strife is o'er. The battle is done. This is Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris. We're calling the program Verses You Should Know. And today we're going to ponder Psalm 23. Now, of course, that's a passage you should know, but I wonder, when was the last time you actually read it all the way through or even said it to yourself? Too often we overlook well-known passages. We fail to take them up, to use them like they're supposed to be used. We should never become too familiar with it that we overlook it. This psalm is famous because it tells us about God's provision, his loving care for his people. But what we don't often hear is how God-focused it is. And even more than that, how Christ himself can be found there. Let me read Psalm 23. You can just say it along with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, Your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23, which the Bible tells us is a psalm that David wrote. David's life wasn't easy. Before he finally became king, Saul, his predecessor, chased him all over Israel, trying to do away with him, kill him. And when he became king on his own, Absalom did the same thing. So when David says that even though he walks through the darkest valley and that the Lord prepares for him a table in the presence of his enemies, we can be sure that David is not just being the poet. He was on the run. He was being hunted down. David found comfort in knowing that the Lord was near, not just to him, but to all who call upon his name. He said he will fear no evil. Why did he say that? Well, he gives us the answer. For you, the Lord, are with me. Now, you and I need to hear this today. Some of us feel hunted even today. Maybe it's by disease or by the hatred of other people, maybe approaching death or someone else has just died. The Lord is with you and he can provide and sustain you even in the midst of your trials, even in the midst of your suffering. But it's not just that he is with you. The first thing David writes is why we should be comforted. The Lord is my shepherd. For the Lord's people, he's with them as their shepherd. Now, maybe you're like me. Sometimes I can think of the Lord as a tutor, watching me take the test, ready to lash out at me if I make the wrong move. No, not at all. The Lord is our shepherd. He leads us. 
And he does that by caring for us and protecting us. This is why David could say, I lack nothing. Even though he was facing trials, maybe he was on the run when he wrote this. Yet, isn't it also comforting to know the Lord cares for you and he wants to teach you to follow him? Because if you've ever read about sheep or watched sheep, they go astray so easily. They need the rod and the staff of the shepherd. It protects them from wild beasts, but it also corrects them when they begin to wander away. Jesus called himself the good shepherd. We who believe have heard his voice. We follow him. He promises to protect us. He loves us. He's faithful to us. He says no one will snatch us out of his hand. So we too can say like David with confidence, I lack nothing, even when it feels like we do. But David's comfort is even deeper than that. Look again at how he describes us. David called himself a sheep, a senseless animal, easily led astray, easily preyed upon. And you know what? We are like that as well. Often we don't see our own sin until someone else tells us about it. That's certainly true with me. We are sheep, and sheep are helpless, especially in the wilderness around Israel, which is mostly dry with not a lot of water or grass. Sheep needed someone who knew where to find those things. And in this helplessness, David called the Lord his shepherd. He isn't just a good guide. He's the only one who can provide what we need. And what is it that we need? What exactly do lost sheep need? First Peter 5 tells us that Satan is prowling around looking for someone to devour. And do you remember how Peter refers to the Lord there? The chief shepherd. He protects us from the evil one. Our sin puts us in danger. When enemies and our own sin come against us to destroy us, our Lord steps in. We are the sheep. He is our shepherd. The most important thing lost sheep need is the shepherd. Now, it's one thing to protect us from calamity. It's another thing to turn it into triumph. And that's what David turns to next. He prepares a table for me. For us, it might sound like having a friend over for dinner, and you'd be right. But it's so much more than that. The prepared table, the anointing oil, the overflowing cup are all ways to describe a feast. After a military triumph, a victorious king would host a feast or call for a feast. This is one reason why Israel has so many feasts. The Lord triumphed over Egypt and he gave his people victory. David is saying that not only does the Lord protect him from harm, but he can turn even the darkest valley into triumph. That goes for you, too. In our darkest moments, our most painful days, the Lord can prepare us a triumphant feast. We can rejoice in victory over death and the enemy that he promises. But how can we be sure that this is all possible? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth in a human body, and he suffered like we do as well. 
Throughout his earthly ministry, he faced opposition and hatred and death threats. Scripture describes him as a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He was put to death for crimes he didn't commit, and he was punished for our sin. On the cross, he faced the wrath that you and I deserve for our sin. Do you remember what he cried out? Of course you do. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He went through the darkest valley. He was consumed by death. It seemed like his enemies had won. Yet in that moment, death and darkness were defeated. The Lord triumphed over them. He overcame the world. The Lord is a master of bringing life from death, order from chaos, triumph out of defeat. David knew it firsthand, and he looked forward to that day when he would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is what Jesus came to do, to bring us back to the Father. And when we enter that relationship, we can say that his goodness and love will follow us because it means he's committed to us as our not just good shepherd, but chief shepherd. You and I can know for certain we will dwell with the Lord forever because he has won the victory for us. At the end of the day, all we can say is glory to God. He provides for us. He saves us. He protects us. He triumphs for us. In David's words, all for his name's sake. I know this passage can change your life, but you have to embrace the identity of being a sheep, of being someone in need. Jesus came to save the lost, and we who have put our faith in him will dwell in his house forever.
a favorite of the late Queen Elizabeth II. It was also played on a TV series in England, the theme song from the Vicar of Dibley, Psalm 23, the choir of Christ Church Cathedral, Oxford, here on this haven today. I'm Charles Morris. The passing of Queen Elizabeth is not just the end of a human life, but it's really the end of an era. Elizabeth served her nation as a teenager in World War II. She actually worked on cars and and changed tires. She was crowned in the early 1950s upon the death of her father. Over her seven-decade reign, she saw her world change all around her. But the legacy she left behind is the same we should all aspire to. I was a man or a woman who served Jesus because he served me first. And that's why I want to send you this book written by Catherine Butcher called A Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service. I asked Catherine to share with us a little bit about why she wrote this book. I came across this little book of private devotions that the Queen had been given. It's a little plain black leather bound book. I found that in the Lambeth Palace Library. And this is a book that was given to the Queen. There are only a, a dozen or so copies in the world. And it was particularly written for her to prepare her for her coronation. So it includes daily devotions, Bible readings, prayers, and devotional thoughts that explained the ceremony that she was going to take part in. And I thought that this is something nobody knows about. Nobody has realized that the Queen has this devotion, um, this devotional resource given to her to prepare her for the for the coronation. So I thought, well, let's bring it to life for people. Now it's in very old English and it's a very plain little book. So um, I wanted to make sure it was very visual and I wanted to choose the language carefully and in some places to update that language. So it wasn't thee and thou, but it was much more contemporary. So I took the essential parts of that devotional book, which focused on the anointing, the crowning and the role of um, the role of the coronation to prepare the queen to be someone who is a servant of God. Because a lot of people think that the crowning is some civic ceremony, that, but they don't realise it takes place in a, in a church. It's part of a communion service. And the first thing the queen does when she walks down the aisle, she goes straight past the throne and she kneels at the altar and has a few minutes in private prayer to God. And then the ceremony begins. So that was something that the queen that that demonstrated the nature of the queen's whole reign someone who would kneel before her the king of kings before anybody kneeled before her so i wanted to try and express that in in words and in pictures so that people could begin to understand the central role of the queen's christian faith that's a fellow believer in jesus she's a journalist she lives in brighton england catherine butcher she wrote a faithful queen 70 years of faith and service I think you will be blessed as you read your way through and look at your way through this glossy covered book and think back on her life. And I also believe it'll inspire you to live more boldly for your Savior, Jesus, no matter your calling in life. Get a few extra copies to share with others, but call us right now. Our number to call is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or check out some of the sample pages we've put up from A Faithful Queen, and then you can make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow, when again we'll be sharing together 
verses you should know in light of the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. When you plant a fruit tree, you can't expect to see fruit right away. Usually, you have to wait years. A tree needs time to sink its roots deep for its branches to grow strong. Fruit only comes after the tree is grown. What we know about fruit, like apples and oranges, we often ignore when it comes to spiritual fruit, like love, joy, peace, patience, self-control. An abundant crop of those things come from God. And spiritual fruit only grows as you sink your roots deeper into Christ and His Word. And daily disciplines like prayer and Bible reading help nourish that growth. Does your life seem too busy for those things? Anchor Devotional can help. You can get it in print monthly. Just visit GetAnchor.com. 